Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 192, Where Did Everybody Go? This week, we're discussing season 3, episode 12 of Battlestar Galactica, Rapture, and season 3, episode 22 of Angel, Tomorrow. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right. Uh, Rapture. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, we were trying to figure out, or I was trying to figure out at least, how to sort of order the discussion here um, because it does sort of jump back and forth. But once, once again, we kind of have a situation where there's like three different primary settings and kind of lots of stuff going on, um, including like travel back and forth mm-hmm. between a couple of them. Um, sure. So, and by travel, some of that is like by Cylon death download travel. <laughs> right. Um, right. And some of it is by actual, like, physical travel in spaceships. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, kind of the best way, I think, to talk about it would be to go through um, just each of the settings. And um, in doing that, kind of handling the characters where, they're, where they sort of have the most significant interaction anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in, in those various settings. Although there is going to be a little bit of maybe back and forth um, for a couple sure. of them. So um, I kind of wanted to start out with the base star stuff and the Cylons um, and well, Baltar a little bit, but more he'll, we'll talk about him on the algae planet along with all mm-hmm. of the, the, you know, uh, members of the fleet that are down there and then sort of end up with the last few things on Galactica there. So mm-hmm. um might be a little back and forth as far as the actual flow of the story goes. Um, We might have to go back and cover a few things here and there, but um, overall I thought that was the best way to kind of go about it. So with that in mind, um, and, and really like we're also actually kind of talking about how like it's another really kind of action heavy, like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of movement, but I, I don't know that there's actually a lot to talk about. Um, character wise or even like plot wise really because it mm. is kind of just a lot of people moving around and, and and there is some there's a little bit of revelation but like it's more like like so just for example like the Hilo Adama Roslin conversation mm-hmm. it's like we all know that already like we like I don't know that there's a lot to like discuss there it's just that like sure. Hilo right. it's a revelation for the character but not necessarily for the audience Right. So, you know, just like that kind of stuff. Um, I'm already I'm already going out of order because that happened on Galactica. Um, And we were supposed to talk about that last. Carefully enunciated plan. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing. So like, like with the Cylon stuff, it's like, okay, they open up with this like vote, like they're all sort of rescinding their like, okay, we tried to bluff Adama, but it's too risky. So we're going to pull back except then the threes don't right. Like they mm-hmm. continue. And I say the threes cause it's not, it must not be Deanna who casts the vote. Right. Um, right. It's gotta or, be... Yeah. Or she's like the ringleader, but 
she's supported by the rest of her model or at least well, yeah well, i guess like well that's what i mean like are, like, yeah. like yeah. it's not the actual deanna instance because she's in the heavy raider heading right. towards the planet right. um and we kind of get that um later with well and i'm, I'm going out of order again but we kind of <laughs> get that later with her boxing right it's that mm. cavill says it's like your entire line is corrupt mm -hmm. basically right um right. and like so you kind of see that from from the beginning of this episode anyway um and i mean like i'm sure we would if if we had talked about the boxing before like this is where sometimes the limitation of knowing what's coming and mm -hmm. but not like wanting to do the spoilery thing uh sure comes right. into play kind of we're like focus on the episodes as they come yeah like we we could probably see some of this even before that if we were sort of willing to talk about the boxing and the uh -huh. you know um collusion there like sort of within the model or whatever but Anyway, right, right. Um, I do. Right. Well, and little bits of foreshadowing, like her, her dream where it said end of line on the, right. the the corridor doorway, you know, so things like. Like if she keeps following this. And stuff. Yeah. You know, so obsession that of, she has. Yeah. It's not just the death of, it's not just one of these deaths, but it's a, a, a permanent death for, like this leads her to a dead end kind of for her whole model right. and everything, but. Well, and but so I guess like with Deanna, I mean, the other thing we've been tracking since her first episode is this investigative journalist aspect of her, of, of the, the one yeah. that questions, that wants to know, that wants to push and ask the questions that she's, that are taboo, that, you know, others tell her she should just, you know, be content. And she wants to, that's not good enough. She has to know for herself and pushes things to the point where it becomes dangerous for her, but to not go is so much worse than to go and face the consequences is kind of her sure. attitude. Sure. Um, and your, your mention of end of line and that like line has a different connotation mm -hmm. here, but that's even right. what Cavill says is we've, that's why we've decided to box your entire line. Mm -hmm. um, you know, your consciousness, memory, every thought your model ever had. Um, so yeah, so like there's definitely those sort of foreshadowing, uh, events, I guess, going on. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, like, so we see that with the three here, um, sort of casting or not casting, like sort of, I, I guess it's casting the vote insofar as like, she's voting to keep going, but like hers is the only vote that matters. <laughs> right. Um, right. But it's also, there's also the question of like, yeah, is it Deanna just sort of ignoring the vote? Like, like mm, is the three, right. is the three in the base star casting a vote or is she just sort of abstaining? And then Deanna's kind of just going rogue at the same time and right right uh that whole conversation is pretty interesting too because you do get some of the defiance of the three in the base star um and you get cavill sort of like you know his typical sort of commentary of that's that is not a good sign my friends like 
you know, we may have to do something about this. And of course, they do end up doing something about it later. Um, but yeah, it's it's that sort of rebellious attitude, or I don't know if, I mean, it is rebellious because Deanna defies the order, mm -hmm. right? Defies the vote. But it's not like it's the first time the Cylons have had a disagreement either. So that's sure. kind of the that's kind of an interesting aspect of it to me too, is that why is this particular one different? Is it because it's otherwise unanimous and she's the mm -hmm. only one I mean the threes are the only one who disagree, but like apparently before in that sort of situation and I'm just reading into this. I don't know that we got enough of this unless there's an example I'm forgetting, but maybe like normally there's an acquiescence, even when like, like if it's like how many models do we know about seven at this point? Right. Something like that. Yeah. Um, seven plus five or whatever. And then, so uh, like if six models agree and one disagrees, like maybe the one, like normally would say, I disagree, but I'll follow, right. you know, sort of the democratic process. and Right. The vote carries, um, even if you don't like the result. Yeah. So, like, this is, like, the first time where maybe that breaks down. Mm -hmm. and, and Deanna and the threes, you know, by sort of... What's that, what's that um, term for, like, a metaphor where, like, a part refers to the whole... Um, uh, synecdoche? Yes, thank you. Like, Deanna's sort of the synecdoche here of, like, the threes as a whole, right? Like, sure. like right, they're, right. They're, they're going off and, uh, you know, doing something that's different. You know, right. Deanna doing that is sort of a sign that right maybe you know the others will be likely to do that as well um, right because it's like well we've had like like boomer and athena well that's you both get you yeah. get the sense that's that they're sort seeing, of but yeah that like you get a sense that they're aberrant in some ways but not so much that like their whole model is is you know like the rest of them seem to be falling in line whereas like definitely what the the fact that they do this to Deanna her or the threes at the end suggests that it's not just that one instance but all of them are you know have the same you know flaw in their system the same corruption right. has spread to all of them well yeah and so you do have like Boomer and then Athena who are sort of set off from the Sharons and you also have Caprica right like and even right. even the like we've talked about the naming of them, right? Like, right, sure. You know the fact that Caprica has a name, <laughs> like, right. right? We don't call her an just another six. She's Caprica, right? That right. specific one. So, but at the same time, yeah, there's something where when we like we've seen other votes before, like on New Caprica, where. Mm -hmm there was an implication that even among the sixes, there was sort of a split. So it's not like, it's not like the entire line is one way or another. It's like, yeah, maybe certain individual models kind of have their own ideas, but you know, as a whole, there's maybe some sort of 
right. you know, right. whatever. Um, right, right. Well, and I think that, like, the what it is that she, the way in which she's splitting has to be significant, too, that it's not just that, oh, I have another idea, but it's that, I think, first, like you said, that she's willing to maybe defy the group vote, you know, even when she doesn't agree with it. Like, mm -hmm. They can have disagreements, but you're supposed to go along with consensus and she doesn't do that. But then also like just the fact that there's something taboo about the final five that is significant. Sure. So it's not it's not just that I have a different opinion, but it's that she has at the end of this knowledge, which is, you know, dangerous or forbidden in some way. You know, like that's kind of the sense of it too, is it's not just that you went rogue or you went crazy or you cracked, but also that like maybe she's seen something that she shouldn't have. And because uh, that's kind of what she's worried about is like, remember f to see the face of God is to know madness and all that kind of thing. So like right. whether or not that's true, at least the silence maybe think it's true and they're not willing to risk passing that on to others. So better to just, you know, shut her down altogether and not have to deal with it. Um, yeah. So it's probably like a combination of a few different, ways in which she crosses various lines and to the point where it it can't you know um you know she can't be allowed to continue yeah. past that i guess um yeah and that's a, like it didn't really occur to me before but there is sort of a sense of not just that she defied people and like has this sort of forbidden knowledge but maybe there's also sort of like a a sort of fear of viral information here too of sure. like like maybe maybe cavill and and right cavill's the atheist religious leader right like right. so like there's right. sort of a practicality to it but also like a fear a, a semi-religious fear or a pseudo-religious fear maybe aspect to it of like yeah. what if she tells someone else like who the final five right. are and right. and it becomes un not just uncontained but uncontainable mm -hmm. and um maybe even that like more than the knowledge itself the ability of the knowledge to spread is kind of a bigger fear on the part of cavill and the right. other cylons like Right. Well, and I do think, I mean, hey, we're jumping ahead to talk about the boxing. So that's fine. Let's totally go wherever we want. But um, I feel like even though the you carefully get the carefully laid sense plans that, of cat, yes, cat and Kurt. Of mice and men. Um, so even though I'm sure the implication is that this is a decision that the Cylons come to as a group, it it's hard to not see that it's significant that it's like Cavill doing all of the actual switching off, you know? And it's like, yeah. he is that kind of priest there over your bed, giving you your last rites, you know, like, like kind of on her and, deathbed in a way. And, and it's know, not, but, but holy, also kind of like, it's, it's sinister though. It's like, to what extent is this Cavill's plan? maybe even more so than the groups. And it's hard to say, but yeah. it seems like it, he's very, a significant voice in that decision that's, to me. That's interesting. Cause I was almost going to go the other way with it. Um, 
I, I see, I understand what you're saying about it being kind of sinister in a way. And I don't, I don't think I disagree, but I also actually do kind of think there's a sincerity to it. Like you said, like it is almost like he's giving a last right. And I don't know. I don't like, maybe, maybe there is kind of a kindness behind it too. Uh, Cause like, did they even have to like like could they have just shut down and let Deanna not resurrect? Mm. You know what I mean? Like I I don't know if that's possible, but like like clearly they're on a resurrection ship or have resurrection capabilities on the base star or whatever. You know, is that would there would it have been possible for them to just jump away? Mm. To you know, to be further out than she could have resurrected because once Cavill Cavill dies before her so mm -hmm. he could have come back and said alright we're boxing all the threes and oh by the way we need to get out of here before Deanna dies so that we can right. you know right. like so that she doesn't even exist anymore but they don't right. There, there is a sort of maybe kindness isn't quite the right word for it but at least a a, I don't, I don't even know what the right word, uh, a sympathy or an empathy or something there, mm -hmm. you know, to let her at least resurrect and, and know that like, she yeah. still kind of exists in a way, even though they're boxing her. Like, it's not like they're, they're not destroying all evidence of her. Right. They're not right. like, right. she's in storage. Yeah. So that the, those thoughts and memories are there they're just not accessible yeah right right it's not like but, it's not like but not you know permanently you know they're they're potentially there for the future you right know? so yeah so i don't i mean i i'm kind of i feel like i'm fumbling around to kind of say but i guess like i i do like that idea of like him giving her last rights and and yeah i don't like like i don't again disagree that there is sort of a sinisterness to it but at the same time and also sort of a sincerity to it like i don't like i don't know if you can have both i don't know if they're mutually exclusive or not <laughs> um if they're not then i think they're both there if they are well then i don't know i guess just pick one <laughs> and go with it but um yeah i i do think i do think it's kinder than it maybe needed to be well is it sort of like this is a weird analogy but is it sort of like like you know how you watch like gangster movies particular like something like the godfather where like it they're bad people doing bad things but there's also a kind of honor code about it of like sure like you know like at least in the movies yeah at least in the god like maybe not goodfellas but like in the godfather it's like yeah they kill people but like there's like a, a polite way to go about it right. in a way like of like there's or, a, there's a protocol of how you sort of and if you cross these lines it's bad news in a way that like you know what i mean and that doesn't make it good but like in their own minds there's yeah. a kind of honor system or, or I like, feel like maybe it's like that like what cavill's doing is not like it's, it's not, not nice. necessarily yeah. merciful or nice but he's doing it in a the kindest way that he can sure. 
in in his own mind that this is the 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 merciful way to go about doing what must be done or like you know? there's um like right now with with um is it alabama that has is having like all the controversy around like the um you know prisoners who are on death row and like they're trying right. to like rush as many as they can before like the drugs expire or whatever right and right and so right, like right so even if you disagree with the death penalty maybe there's a difference between ways you go about doing it you know um right like at least like the intent is to like sedate you before they kill you like right <laughs> you know as opposed to like the electric chair where they just like right. strap you to in a current and you know whatever. right right like um, there actually are degrees of cruelty and how you can go about <laughs> murdering somebody or yeah. or killing them or whatever you want to call it and like um, yeah like like or <laughs> they could have just denied deanna resurrection but not, like you said they go through these sort of steps of kindnesses and everything not to like have metaphor overload but um even you know even something like you can think of like uh classical like norse mythology where it's like you meet your foe on the battlefield, but raise a drink to them after you've defeated them kind of thing. Like you, right. you were a worthy foe, but I still killed you. Right. <laughs> right. Um, right. Like there's sort of a respect at the same time right. as there's like or, a, enough of a hatred the, to kill the person. Or the classic we've, I think we brought this up recently. I can't remember why, but the Mal, if you're going to stab me in the back, do it to my face. Like, like there is actually <laughs> a, a polite way of maybe killing somebody that honors them and doesn't like treat them like they're nothing or something. So maybe yeah. Cavill is doing a sinister thing, but in a merciful way. Um, yeah. And, and again, he's, he's sort of the representative because you do get the sense that this time, right. The, it's not, it's not just the, him. Yeah. The, the yeah. vote was actually unanimous. Um, right. You know, with the threes once again abstaining, but this time Deanna right. doesn't have the ability to escape. Right. right. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's all of that. So, well, we, we got, now that we've talked about that for yeah, 20 minutes. Yeah. We got the boxing stuff. Done. <laughs> um, so the other sort of big stuff that happens on the base star is uh, the Athena boomer Caprica stuff um which okay i mean so starts out with athena sort of begging hilo to kill her which he does being the good husband that he is um <laughs> and uh the idea being that she can go get their daughter mm -hmm. um which she goes and caprica is there it's kind of funny to me like so they must have resurrection capabilities on the base star yeah it kind of, i noticed that this time too um, it kind of seems like that yeah maybe like like maybe after a couple tanks or something or yeah i don't know how it works yeah maybe after like they blew up the resurrection ship like maybe that was like maybe they always had capabilities on like the base stars and like mm -hmm. it was just that like they also had this ship that could do like mass kind of overflow yeah like, well yeah. or like for like big battles like it was good for right. so like but like this is like okay well we do have these tanks mm -hmm. you know at least some on uh you know on the base star that can handle like smaller scale right you know sort right. of things 
Yeah, um, that would make a little bit more sense, I think. Um, I, I mean, at least that's how we can retcon it. Like, yes. like it makes you wonder if they thought through, and if so, like what they actually came up with, um, or if they said having a big resurrection ship as a target is a bad idea. So maybe we can spread them out a bit, and each base star right. takes some different like, tanks, and then maybe then this you is carry a development you. after the whole right. debacle with the right. You carry your resurrection technology with you. You don't have to be near a, you know, a sh- a resurrection ship in case you got separated or something. Right. So, yeah, um, I think so, that so, makes enough sense. So the idea is that, uh, yeah, Athena will hop over, get Hera, and bring her back. Mm-hmm. Um, is there. So there, mu- there must be some kind, like, some kind of notification, like, oh, someone's about to resurrect. Like, right. And you can kind of quick, see who it is. You know, like, go yeah. and... Whatever, yeah, like for whatever reason, Caprica's there, um, and and Athena sort of gives her story, like, oh, they, you know, I found out they were lying to me, and so I, you know, killed myself or had Hilo kill me or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so she goes and sees Hera, who's been crying for however long at this point. Um, and and Hera calms right down and seems to know that Athena is her actual mommy, um, mm-hmm. which Caprica points out to Boomer's dismay. Yeah, uh, kind of tactlessly, uh, like, like yeah. oh look, isn't that interesting? You're biologically the same person, but like she yeah. knows who her actual mom is, which, like, I feel like that's true with like twins and stuff too, right? Like, sure, like they can still tell who their parent is and. Right. Uh, or, and, and not just kids, but like, you know, if you grow up, like if you're a non-twin sibling of twins, like you can right. probably tell them apart because you know their little idiosyncrasies and whatever, mm-hmm. all that. Um, yeah, but yeah, Boomer doesn't seem to like that. And um, Athena, so I, I'm guessing the whole like, her belly's hard and all that seems to be accurate, right? Because Boomer feels it too. Like, right. like it's not just like Athena makes up something. Like this is actually right. something that is wrong with her. And yeah, offers, no, that's, like, lends, that's my understanding. Lends yeah. itself as like an easy excuse to get her right. back to the Galactica. Right. Well, and it convinces Caprica, you know, that's the kind of, the, the the survival of Hera becomes right the the most and, important thing, which is, you know, what kind of convinces Caprica that, you know, she should go back to human doctors who could actually help her. And Boomer isn't like quick enough to like lie about it either. Like, oh, I mm-hmm. don't feel anything. Right. She's like, oh yeah, it is actually her belly is hard. So, mm-hmm. uh. Like, she could have just been like, no, I don't feel anything. And then Caprica would have been suspicious and, right. you know, wouldn't have snapped Boomer's neck. <laughs> well, and so I think, like many before her, there's maybe some underestimating of Caprica here. Like, maybe Boomer doesn't think to lie because sure. she assumes that Caprica is on her side, you know? Whereas I think Caprica is a more and- ruthless Cylon than people kind of give her credit for let's not let's not forget that caprica 
has sort of wantonly snapped babies' necks in the yep. past. So, right. right, that's the most interesting part to me is that reversal of like now Boomer's the one threatening to snap a baby's neck, and Caprica's response is to is to snap Boomer's. Yeah. You know, so the way that those two characters have kind of flip-flopped you know caprica is now this protector of of a child and still is ruthless but on the side of the baby whereas like boomer who used to be one of the most kind of humane and sympathetic is now like and, and even who, if she wasn't gonna do it at least would threaten and has definitely become bitter and right. and violent in a way that she wasn't before who at the same time as caprica was snapping infants next was rescuing children from the planet right. there Africa. you go yeah you yeah, know yeah. like yeah yeah <laughs> like this is yeah a 180 degree turn for, for the two of them um so yeah uh you know boomer threatens doesn't follow through with it or at least isn't able to follow through with it because caprica knocks her out and then like snaps her own neck or at least knocks her down and snaps, mm -hmm. snaps her own neck. Um, and I, this just occurred to me, last thing on them too, um, in addition to their kind of switch is also like, don't forget their sort of partnership on on, on the planet Caprica too. Mm -hmm. Of These were the two that were going to revolutionize the Cylon culture and have a new start on, you know, with the humans and right. have love and understanding and everybody working together and, you know, singing Kumbaya. And so now here they are like right. on opposite ends and, and, and killing each other over it, you know? Well, and, and again, Caprica is the first one to kill another Cylon, right? Like, Still the only one killing Cylons Caprica is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I do kind of like that section with them. It's some interesting kind of new places that the episode sort of takes them to. You know, which kind of makes her when they end up, she t she helps them escape. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that she doesn't just help them escape; she goes with them. So even though she's sort of taken and arrested on Galactica, there's a sense in which she's kind of fleeing the ship as well. You know, like maybe she's, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe she wanted to go to help pilot and make sure they got there safely, but potentially also escaping maybe a situation like like Deanna's, like what lines has she crossed and how might the other Cylons feel about that, you know, depending on what Boomer tells them. Right. Right. Well, and this goes back to, to sort of Deanna telling her that she's obsolete or whatever, right? Like. Right. Um, yeah. Which is ironic given that Deanna ends up boxed and Baltar and Caprica 6 end up back on Galactica. Right. So maybe maybe Caprica's not quite as obsolete as Deanna thought she was. Yeah. Um so yeah. So yeah, so they do make it so just to finish that up, um they do make it back to the Galactica and Athena and Hera are safe, but of course, as soon as everyone sees Caprica, there's like lots of guns raised and Athena tries to sort of protect her, but you know, they pull her away and Caprica just kind of is placed under arrest at that point. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so 
on the planet. Um, they're done harvesting algae, apparently. Uh, well, yeah, they're about <laughs> as done as they're going to get. Um, Hopefully they have enough uh, yeah, for the fleet to I know. last them Hope- like the, an, a season and a half. <laughs> right, right. Just long enough to get to like Earth or whatever. Yeah, um, just another like 30 episodes or so and then we're good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, more Lee and Sam and Dee and Starbucks stuff. Um <laughs> You know, Lee and Sam are going at it because Sam wants to go rescue Starbuck and Lee's like, well, you can't. And, you know, we're supposed to be doing this and that. Um, so instead, Lee orders D to go rescue Starbuck, which so so romantic. right? Yeah, which is just and and D just she does it. Like good old D, you know, good old, good old reliable D, obedient soldier that she is. Yep. Yep. Um, Dutiful wife and obedient subordinate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't. I mean, I don't know what to say all about them. I mean, Starbuck is injured, and you know, D comes and like pumps her full of morphine or whatever, and you know, rigs the ship with you know starbuck kind of telling her what to do and they escape like that's Mm -hmm. that's their trajectory uh lee and sam go with sort of their contingent of soldiers and do what they're supposed to do and you know ambush the centurions and you know kind of hold them off at at bay as long as they can um giving tyrell more time in the temple to initially look for uh the eye of Jupiter, mm-hmm. um, you know, to continue that search. But then, you know, when, when that looks like it's going to fail, uh, you know, to rig the temple to blow, um, mm-hmm. which he doesn't seem to be able to do. Um, he, he sort of comes out and he's, he's having trouble, uh, with, something and with mm-hmm. with with the process of blowing up the temple um right until sort of lee grabs it and it's like too late at that point right like um tyrell's kind of spidey senses are like all over the place these episodes of like yeah you know he's getting he he's sort of following some impulse that isn't necessarily rational you know um, um but he's and, and, but he's also Lee. the one who see who then sees the Nova going right and realizes that the eye of Jupiter isn't in the temple it's this other it's sort of like this big Sauron's eye over the temple right. um, I don't think they know right like Sauron, it's the but... event itself right it's the like right like it yes it's the physical sight of it but also it's the it's the event in time that is the nova which is the eye Mm -hmm. um and the thing that i like about that is um that which i like never really noticed before this last time i watched it was like the way that there's almost a kind of like cause and effect moment of like you know tyrell presses the button and nothing happens and lee grabs it and presses the button and then the temple doesn't blow up, but the star goes Nova. 
So like, which I feel like I only noticed because last time we were talking about how like we have all these unexploded bombs at the same time, you know, like you have the temple that's rigged and you have the nukes and you have the supernova and all of these are like bombs that are waiting to go off. And this time it's like you press a button and one explosion doesn't happen, but another one does. And it's a much bigger one. And one. so like, I'm not literally saying that pressing the button caused the Nova, but there's a sort of, you know, symmetry there of like buttons and bombs and explosions and things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I get, well, so, I mean, I kind of agree not too much new with the kind of love plot, like maybe not a huge amount to talk about that we haven't talked before, but, um, and I don't know whether to attribute this to like the script or the direction or the actor or whatever, but the one thing I do kind of like about the D Starbucks stuff is just like the kind of begrudging practicality with which D goes through everything of like, she kind of does like just the fact that like, okay, I'm going to do this, but I don't have to be happy about it. So the fact that she's just very ungentle with everything of like, she kind of jams. She just kind of stabs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, and kind of like, will smack her physically and verbally when she needs to, and she doesn't really say much, just kind of like, all right, tell me what to do. And we'll fly. That is funny when she just kind of reaches over and like, and smacks, right like just when she's going on her her poetic rant about oh like i hate lee i love lee and he's like i really don't have any interest in hearing about this you know right and like she that that hyper competence of like i'll rescue you i will patch you up i will fix the raptor and i'm gonna fly us out of here and do it all like without breaking a sweat kind of so like you know just the kind of if you're going to abuse D, you could kind of at least celebrate her while you're doing it, you know, of like, okay, well, at least she gets everything done and does it competently. And, you know, yeah. Um, which then of course I think makes the betrayals all the worse, you know, because well, and, and she doesn't also, do anything to deserve them, you know, not only that, not only does she not do anything to deserve them and has all the competence and everything, like you said, um, like in addition, like she's not fooled. Like it's right. not like she, it's not like she does all that, and it's like because she doesn't understand what's going on. She completely right. understands what go, what's going on, and she right. does it anyway. And I I think right. that's what you were getting at. But I just sort of wanted to state it explicitly because mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. an important part of her character is that mm-hmm. she's she's one hundred percent not fooled by any of it. In fact. She's less fooled than either Lee or Starbuck are about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kind kind of in a way like like if we were to link the two episodes we're talking about here, um, D and Sam are kind of like Lauren and Gru, right? Mm. In a way, like like they're seeing into the characters of the two starstruck lovers or whatever you want to call. Mm-hmm. you know each of the individual couples there like better than they can see themselves like you right. know what i mean like they they just have that i mean obviously sam and d have different relationship to lee and starbuck than sure i mean grew and cordy have their relationship but like lauren and angel obviously don't so you know right. there there's there's some difference there but 
it's just that idea of like you know the two people who are sort of most into like the thick of things are like mm-hmm. the least able to actually see what's going on and the other yeah. ones are just have like a clarity of vision that mm-hmm. um the sort of main couple if you want to call it that don't mm-hmm. don't have um right right so yeah um anyway so yes so um the eye I don't know if I should be annoyed by the science of it or not. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing that's yeah. sort of annoying <laughs> to me, right? Um, like, say, I, I, so assuming that this planet is something of an equivalent distance from the star that it's going around as Earth is to the sun, right? Just, you know, has mm-hmm. a similar habitat and all of that. So, you know, within a few million miles or whatever, I don't know. Um, assuming that's the case, yeah. it would take, you know, it takes light about eight minutes to get from the sun to the earth. Um, mm-hmm. So we can imagine the same. However, you wouldn't see the supernova before it hit you. Like, you wouldn't see, like, this supernova developing because all of Coming the fire out. and gases and everything, maybe not exactly at the speed of light, but would be very close behind. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like so you would see it, and then it would be, like, almost instantaneously, it would right. just blow everything up. So, so this whole idea of, like, this slowly exploding, like... I can forget that in Doctor Who because he's a Time Lord and has special powers and you can do all sorts of stuff to a certain mm-hmm. extent. But like, like this is where it's supposed to be like this hard science fiction and they're supposed to be like on the science. It's like, like you would never see that mm-hmm. or detect that, you know, in such a way as to sure. like have however long it takes you to fly a spaceship from the ground up to the Galactica, you know, in yeah. time so sure a little yeah, a little mean, annoying there but you yeah know. I, and i i do think that um i do think that maybe bsg i mean doctor who definitely leans more into kind of science fantasy so it, it's never worth getting upset about the science because that's never an attempted right. thing so you're kind of setting yourself up for constant annoyance if the, you want to go that route yeah because uh to, to steal a line from the the season premiere of the latest one you know the physics and poetry are the same right like it's yeah the, it rhymes right yeah. whatever whatever rhymes the best is yeah. the truest yeah right um so the aesthetic is more important more important than the like um factuality of it um but um so, I mean, but, so I feel like BSG isn't maybe a bit of a, a, a no-win, a no-win situation, which is of its own making, I think, which is like, I don't actually think, I think it has the veneer of hard science fiction, so that's why it sets you up for this, like, kind of scientific realism. I do think it has some kind of science fantasy elements to it, like, it plays, sure. it has played fairly loose with the rules you know, consistently, like, this isn't the first thing we've brought up where it's like, that's not, 
You know, not yeah. only is it well, not only is it not realistic to what we know, but it's not realistic to what seems possible in the known. So, but then it does look and act like it's kind of hard sci-fi. So I think it kind of it puts up expectations that it doesn't necessarily intend to deliver on. So I think it is a thing of like how do you communicate to an audience that there's a supernova coming at you? You show it. And it doesn't matter really if that's true or not. It's like what yeah. looks good on the camera is and sort of maybe more important. Um, yeah. I, I do. I do get what you're saying. Like, yes, there are definitely sort of mystical, fantastical, whatever aspects to it. Right. And like, like we're not even talking about like, angels that come later sorry sure. sorry well, did, did I, mean, I spoil some no but like well we are talking about a, a rapture you know a character right. that has a beam of light hit her and then she ascends to some sort of mystical like nirvana and well, her nose bleeds and she dies as a result of this even, magical knowledge even that, that she's given even <laughs> you know e even that though like you have like baltar who sees things so like you could almost like like even sure. that you could almost say like well it is she really seeing something or is it all in her mind and we don't know because we don't know what she sees and right, then she sure. immediately gets boxed and we so we can't like confirm what she has seen if it's true or if it was just all made up you know right. and like like her thing about like oh you know I can like in between life and death there's something beautiful and blah 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 like. Like, that could, again, just be, like, electrical impulse. Like, when people die, do they really see, you know, a white light that they go towards? Or is that just, like, right. neurons firing in their brain? Like, there's, sure. like, you can't answer that quite, like, you can't definitively, in this life anyway, you know, if there right. is an afterlife right. or whatever, maybe. But, like, you can't answer that definitively. Well, and, and so, there's a certain amount of leeway, too, with, like, is Cylon physiology different than ours? And therefore what right. are the rules of it? And so there's ambiguity. So, so I, with that. I, I think like I, I'm much less bothered by that kind of thing because it, the, yeah, mm -hmm. there is ambiguity and you can talk about it and like sort of think through um, the other thing. Like, I think I also wouldn't be so annoyed by stuff like this. If, mm -hmm. and, and like, I fully recognize that most people wouldn't have even considered that an annoying thing it would just been like oh it's an exciting chase and there's fire and whatever that's fine yeah like i acknowledge that this is a me thing not necessarily something that everyone <laughs> should even acknowledge let alone be annoyed by but i think i would be less annoyed by it if there weren't if they didn't take such careful you know effort to do so much of the other really close harder sci-fi stuff like right. like yes okay so ftl drives might be completely fantasy when it like there may ne right. never be such a thing as an ftl drive but like they at least they right. they set it up so that like and, like yeah, like there's yeah. a key and there's rules and a countdown and uh, yeah we don't see all of that every time but they've done enough to establish it like like there is an actual physics around this FTL mm -hmm. drive. It's not like, a, okay, think and wish and clap your hands and be happy and we can move somewhere. Like, like mm -hmm. there's actual stuff that has mm -hmm. to be done and there's an order and the FTL drives can go down and that's a problem and you can fix it and right. that helps and, you know, stuff like that. 
or like like the really cool effects where where it still is like it still looks really cool but like actually seems plausible like when you have the Galactica falling through atmosphere and it's like burning and, and you have like the fighters taking off from there, like right. that seems really, I mean, maybe that's just as um, implausible as the supernova thing, like in real life, so to speak, but at least mm-hmm. it feels like, right. like, like we know what a rocket ship looks like when it's coming down through the atmosphere. And so you kind of like, okay, so let's extrapolate that on like a massive scale, the size of like, what the BSG would look like and how does that, you know, sort of play into it and all of that. And and so I think those types of things, you know, and, and, or like, you know, when, when all the Raptors are going back to Caprica and like they jump into planet, but then like two of them miscalculate and they're like stuck in the mountain, you know, like, well, that, that's an actual problem that you could imagine having if all of these conditions were satisfied. So I, I just think, then like to extrapolate this and just be like, Oh, we can see this like supernova coming like minutes or I, I don't know. Like how long does it take a Raptor to fly from planet to BSG? Like I would have to assume a little while, 10 minutes, 15, 20. I don't know. Like, I don't know what that amount of time would be, but it, there is an amount of time that it would take. And like, that's beyond like the fact that they stood there staring at it for however long. And then like presumably had to like pack up their shit and get into like the Raptor. Like quick, get the algae. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on. Just scrape a last, let's, let's top her off before we go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. like, again, you know, yeah. I, well, I, that's kind of what I meant by like, I feel like this is a problem of the show's own making because it kind of wants to have the cake and eat it of like, it doesn't actually play by all the rules, but it wants to look like it does. And I think there are just times where the the fact that it doesn't become more... So aside from the overtly fantasy elements of the mystical religious stuff, so putting that aside, um, cause, so maybe we'll kind of call that a slightly separate category but like of the kind of sciency acting like we're really in space and this is going on I feel like there are just some moments where the made-upness of it becomes more obvious especially if you know something about real you know astronomy or whatever um so I think this is one of the like that the fact that you maybe are more sensitive to it doesn't necessarily mean that it's untrue. Um, you know, the fact that other people wouldn't notice doesn't necessarily mean that they're right not to notice. I think it just, you know, sure. uh, it's sort of your mileage may vary and depending on maybe how much that's a particular interest for you or, you know, how much you, you care to. And I, I think for know, me, think about such things. I, I think, I, I think, I, I think a, I'm just think generally a, happy with, as long as I, I, I just have a very low barometer when it comes to the, those sorts sure. of things. And, and um, I'm not saying everyone should be like me and be, and, <laughs> and like, I'm not even annoyed by all of those types of things. This, sure. But, but I, I get annoyed, generally speaking, I get annoyed, um, by those sorts of what seemed to me like those sorts of artificial um, time crunch situations. And mm-hmm. so like, 
like those are the, like mm-hmm. you know stepping into a room just before the flame touches your mm-hmm. skin type of things like no matter like any any sort of story that has that type of thing and it just sort of annoys me in general right. too so it and might so maybe yeah well and it, it i think when it's a fixable problem is when it becomes frustrating i think because it's like you could have something like the sensor flares and Gata says, oh, the star is going Nova. We got to get out of here. But you don't necessarily have to see anything. I mean, I guess you do for the whole Tyrrell, like light shining through the keyhole type thing. Right. So maybe it is necessary. But like it but, feels like maybe with another you, draft of thinking about it, you could have come up with a way to do it in a more subtle way. But they even don't they even say like then at the end, like, oh, it wasn't even like the Nova that was like the eye of Jupiter. It was like this other thing nearby right like there's like well, it was this, another nova there was right. like a different thing yeah right <laughs> it was a different nova so the nova is what they were describing as the eye but the fact that this one and i mean you're gonna get into like the convenience of it because we're getting more deeply into the kind of destiny god religious plot i mean that's kind of where so like right. the fact that this stuff is starting to happen like you know, again, we all arrive at the precise moment when this is going to happen just in time to see it happen. And again, your mileage will vary as to how much that stuff kind of, I know a lot of people are bugged by like having like God in their science fiction and stuff. Um, And that's a, you know, that is a subjective thing that I cannot judge other people's opinions one way or the other, you know? Sure. Um, So maybe it's the kind of, maybe, I mean, I just feel like maybe with another crack at the script, you could have maybe done it in a way that was a little bit less, I know we hate the word contrived, but maybe they could have done it in a way that felt a little less, like just smoothed out those edges and and hid the seams a little bit better, you know? Yeah. both from a kind of plotting point of view or like a pacing point of view and with having kind of very convenient science, you know, that feels a little too, you know, a little too obvious and not quite thought through enough. Yeah. Anyway, it all happens. It's happened before. It'll happen again. It'll happen again. Certainly not going to be the last time that we talk about uh, the role of, you know, whatever, religion or magic or coincidence or bad science, you know, or (laughs) all of that stuff. Um, Yeah, whatever the case, Tyrrell is the one who sees this particular Nova and realizes the eye of Jupiter is something different than what they thought it might be mm-hmm. um do the others like the cylons don't realize that though right uh if they do we don't hear about it i don't right think. like like we don't get because like cavill dies right so he try he he pulls right. he pulls a gun on deanna but baltar shoots him first mm-hmm. uh and then, like you said, like we talked about Deanna's sort of rapture moment 
again, like, is this an actual thing or is it in her mind? She mm-hmm. seems to see, not just see, but recognize right. who, who at least some of the right. final five are. Like, we get the, like, oh, I didn't know it was you. Um, yeah. Kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, comes out of it with, like, a nosebleed. So it seems like something must have happened. But again, like, maybe given a heightened enough mental state and Cylon physiology, like, maybe that would be enough to, like, burst a blood vessel or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That seems to ultimately kill her. Um, and then you do have the satisfying moment of, you know, Tyrrell coming in and saying, welcome back, Mr. President. And then, you know, knocking mm-hmm. Baltar over the head. Um, which, again, there's a supernova going on. You might want to hurry up. Um yeah. Just throwing that out there. But, uh, yeah. So that's the planet stuff. Any Anything we've left out on all of that? You know, we'll only have a few minutes, but I think that's all right, because we've got to... No, I think we can wrap, wrap up the rest of it. The, so the Hilo, Adama, Rosalind stuff, um, you know, Hilo kills Athena, um, sends her back to the base star, and um that's a good euphemism from now on for death like i sent her back to the base star um, to the base star yeah yeah uh so yeah uh the big base star in the sky yeah <laughs> um like it's just a lot of accusation and like yeah like yeah. they all sort of realize that everyone knows what happened here yeah um and rosalind pulls sort of the classic uh politician response of like i'll totally take responsibility but you're really the one at fault here yeah. and um, we're all to blame if you really think about it yeah. yeah yeah right like yeah somehow accepts responsibility without accepting any responsibility um yeah. the the moment that always strikes me is because he's such a kind of gentle soul Hilo's size you know and the way he kind of when he stands up and like yeah. all he has to do is kind of walk towards her and it's like he doesn't even have to do anything but his sort of sheer physical presence is kind of like you know impressive and everything that like you know and it's like it's hilo he's not gonna do anything like you know he's not no but, but we've also just, seen but, it, but it's a boxing you know, and stuff so we know yeah, that sure. it's not like he's not capable it's not like he couldn't right. you know but well and he did just kill his wife you know so it's not like he's incapable of any kind of violence, but like the contrast, Such I guess, blase. between well, and he did just kill his wife, but yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's not like he's not capable, but I guess the contrast between his sort of gentleness of spirit and then his physical, like, imposing quality and everything. I think, especially when he kind of advances on Roslyn and Adama, kind of like pulls him, like, all right, you're getting a but little. But even that, close like, Adama there. doesn't really like. It's not like he restrains him. It's like he just yeah. sort of like gently touches his arm. Yeah, that's like all it takes. Yeah. <laughs> um like the sort of classic example of like a elephant at the circus, like with just the little rope like in the stake on right. the ground that Right. You know. Well could... and like he's he's one of those classic characters that like is big but adorable, like doesn't realize their own size kind of thing. Of like mm. 
he probably doesn't even really want to be that threatening. It's just that he, like, you know what I mean? Like, all it takes is, like, a little touch from Adama to stop him. It's not like he's, you know, needs to be restrained, really. Um, but he kind of is, he doesn't know his own kind of size and strength, I guess. Um, sure. Um, okay. So yeah, so I don't like again. It's just sort of them, all sort of realizing where each of them stands, um, and then we we've got uh, well, uh, so another scene with Hilo and Starbuck at the end, mm -hmm. um, where Hilo just kind of nonchalantly comes, "Hey, do you do you have any pictures of your old apartment on Caprica?" <laughs> like, like what a weird request. <laughs> right uh, right and like he's not about to ambush her with like the most bizarre thing in right, like right it's the like, show so far I, I, yeah. I just had a hankering i'm feeling a little homesick yeah Wanted to see some pictures of your old apartment of your apartment yeah <laughs> um well and remember that time of... when when we were hanging out in your old apartment in bombed out caprica city um, yeah, and like who has pictures of their apartment sitting in the box? Well, that's like, that's like <laughs> well, maybe if you're in the military, you want to have stuff to remember your, but like of your like your wall, I don't know. It's kind of funny. yeah, but right, and it's like literally just a picture of like this mural. Like maybe that's it. Maybe it's because like it was artwork, so she was taking a picture right. of that or something. Right. right. I guess that's allowed. That will, um, will, will. And it's original artwork. It's artwork that she created. Right. So, um, but like, yeah, speaking of bits of foreshadowing that were planted a long time ago, you know, that come to fruition is this design, which indeed is in her apartment back in those episodes in Caprica when they stopped at her place. So, you know, if you have an eye, you can go back and, find it there yeah um but yeah i mean so he finds this picture and it looks very similar to the symbols of you know in the temple of five of the eye of jupiter and all that mm -hmm. and yeah like you said like clearly something's been going on for a little while here all right yeah so that's that. So that's that. Now we've got. I mean, now we're we've gotten away. <clears throat> they figured out what the Eye of Jupiter is, and the yeah. Cylons may not have. We don't know right. if they have. Um, and yeah, I mean, Baltar and Hera and Athena and Caprica are all on mm -hmm. Galactica now, and. Uh, yeah, we'll uh I guess we'll figure out what's going on with them next week, but uh on to uh Angel, I guess, at this point. Yep. Yep. Speaking of raptures, um, I appreciated the connection between the two. We have characters being sort of ascending to higher metaphysical planes. Sure. Um, potentially. You know, we don't really know for sure what either of them means, you know, um, but they go through a, through a kind of ascension um, uh, in their slightly different ways. But um, 
I actually don't want to start with Cordy. Um, I wanted to start with Angel and Connor. Um, but first, did you have any production notes? I know this is a season finale, so um, um, I know maybe you mentioned the writer, but I don't know if you had anything besides that. Yeah, no, just uh, so right. This was written um, and directed by David Greenwalt. Um, so, and and this has happened with each of the seasons of Angel so far. Um, he's been the writer and director of the finale, um, just like sort of Joss Whedon had had been with um, Buffy right from the beginning. Um, and yeah, so just sort of timing wise, we are uh, we are at the we're at May two thousand two. Um, so yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know that I really have anything to say other than that. Just kind of mentioning mentioning that he's the one writing this. Um, we do get so this is actually the last season that David Greenwald is the showrunner, I believe. I believe in season four um, is when oh, okay. Jeffrey Bell and Tim Minear kind of take over, um, getting more into, uh, you know, some of those day-to-day okay. uh, and, and executive positions. Um, mm-hmm. And at this point, so again, we're in, we're in May, uh, 2002 which is i believe what I, I i believe this is where we're filming firefly so like mm-hmm. whedon's kind of off doing his thing with that as as well as tim Minear is although Minear wrote and directed the previous episode i don't i don't know exactly when all of the filming around firefly happened but firefly will uh start airing in september of 2002 mm-hmm. so um, just before Angel comes back. So, you know, this is kind of in that same time frame um, when this stuff is airing, um, mm-hmm. that that's going on. So, so yeah, you have Whedon uh, and all of the different writers and stuff who wrote for Firefly and who were also writing for Angel and Buffy at kind of at mm-hmm. the same time, um, sort of... Right, being, right, Tim Minear and Jane Espenson and, yeah. Sort of yeah. being stretched thin a bit yeah um, yeah um there's a i think it's still on netflix a movie called showrunners which is about showrunners and um and they interview whedon among some others um and uh i remember a bit of him talking about the year that he ran three shows <laughs> like and that being like a significant like who does that kind of thing of like like, and I think they even made a big deal of it. Like, other showrunners in the movie are like, how can you physically, like, that's not impossible. Like, you can't do that. Like, two's the, two's the limit, and that's stretching it. And then you, like, cut to Whedon, and he's like, the year that I ran three shows, we did, you know, like, so he's kind of talking about doing yeah. the thing that everybody says you should never do. Um, and actually, um, I remember him saying, which is interesting in the context of Angel, him saying like, well, the, when this happened, so I guess like over the, for the writing and the production period, so like over like the summer or fall or whatever, he was like, you know, it's Buffy's, it was Buffy's last season. So I can't drop the ball on that. 
And he's like, and it's Firefly's first season. So I can't drop that ball. And he's like, so Angel is clearly the one that everyone expects me to drop the ball on. So I can't drop the ball on that show. So it is kind of interesting. Like you have him beginning one show and ending another. And now here we have Angel, which is like kind of halfway through its run. Mm -hmm. So it would be, I don't know anything about the next season of Angel if it's supposed to be good or or bad or whatever but you know i'm kind of curious to see like like yeah because you could easily suffer in quality if you're trying to juggle that many balls you know i mean obviously he has other writers and producers it's not like he's doing them by himself but um uh you know everybody's attention might be stretched pretty thin and it would of the three it might be easiest to let angel slide because it's the sort of middle child i guess sure um and middle children are often neglected unfortunately right right um so i'll say this uh i won't give away anything about the season I will say that in the latter, well, I'll say that we start seeing some characters in Buffy and Angel, or some actors in Buffy and Angel, who we might recognize from Firefly. Okay. <laughs> um, like, like I not yeah. not to say just that they had a bit of free time by that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know yeah. that 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 there was uh opportunities to write in some new characters played by these yeah. uh actors there were there was a new uh group of actors suddenly in need of work <laughs> yeah who had connections maybe yeah. to the showrunner or yeah. or the you know and the studio producer. and the network and, and yeah. all that yeah yeah um oh that's so, so so we'll see a few of them crop up in uh season four and uh who needed five who needed of angel bills and, paid and at this particular time and yeah. seven of uh of buffy but yeah yeah i mean but and we've are well we've already seen uh summer glow of course yes uh, and that was before firefly yep. i yep. think before even was being produced or maybe it was a Maybe it was like in the early stages at that point. I can't remember exactly. I don't remember. I I have I always have trouble with Firefly, like remembering sort of where mm-hmm. it falls. And it, like for the longest time, I didn't even realize that it that it was all happening because of the order that I saw the shows. Right. Um, right. Did, you didn't necessarily connect them it, together. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that. Like, like not only was Firefly like overlapping with Buffy and Angel, but like started produced aired and completely canceled and done like like before you know the seasons were like yeah like even full swing at that point um yeah so yeah so it's just kind of that funny thing of like like when you do kind of line it all up you're like oh wow that's really kind of kind of weird yeah i Yet again, you have to marvel at Fox's ability to fumble that ball because it's like, not that Buffy and Angel are the most viewed shows in the history of anything or whatever, but like, you would think all you do is really, you know, I mean, 
go wider for sure, but you market yourself towards the already existing Whedon fan base that's out there. And then you sure. expand from there into other people who might not be into those things, who might be into this. But like how, you know, the the ways, the myriad ways in which they shot their own feet in that whole thing is just uh, always um, yep. funny to think about. Yep. Anyway. Maybe someday we'll do that show. Yeah, <laughs> which actually isn't a Firefly podcast. But um, <laughs> but actually, you reminding me that they're on at the same time did remind me of that interview with Whedon, and which kind of makes me interested to view the next bit of Angel in that light of like, okay, sure. as the middle child I, of, a, of a show midway through its run, also being produced during the first and last season of these other like kind of landmark shows, how does that necessarily affect the writing or the reception of, of Angel? Is it kind of, is it, cause it's hard not to neglect something, you know? Um, sure. And maybe it, maybe he was perfectly fine and made an effort not to be neglectful of it. And that is great. But um, I guess that's more of a, a season four question. Um, but I certainly assume and hope from this ending that they knew they were coming back for a fourth season because it, <laughs> it ends on yeah. not just like an ambiguous note, but like, like honest to God, like dangling cliffhangers where like you need resolution from these plot points and everything. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Right. Otherwise, that would be a very bleak, maybe even a little too bleak for Angel, um, you know, ending to the story. So I, I, it's definitely set up as like, the story will continue, I think. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think they knew at this point that it was um, continuing. Um, <clears throat> and I think, they knew that Buffy was going into its last season. I'd, I'd have to, I'll, I'll have to check on that. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to Buffy season yeah. seven, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that they knew that like it, it was coming up on Buffy's last season. Like, um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. So this is anyway, all of that to say, not that I had any production notes or anything that we've talked about for the last 14 minutes. No, um, me neither. All of that to say that, yes, this is sort of David Greenwalt's um, swan song, so to speak. Um, sure. And and he does not uh, do anything else with the show after this. Um, okay, and, so he's, he's gone, yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say he doesn't have anything. He does direct one episode in season five but that but he doesn't write it or anything so i don't know like okay like i know we don't so he must have gone about... on to do another show so or something yeah he went on to do um the show miracles um i think i've ever even heard of that I, I vaguely remember it i don't think i never watched it um certainly um and then of course most recently he did uh he did the show Grimm, which I actually really liked, um, which brought back, yes, that's right. um, at least as guest stars, some of um, the actors like um, 
uh, Alexis Denisoff uh, had a recurring role in Grimm um, for a while, for a couple different seasons, I think. Um, okay. And uh, that was pretty pretty good. But yeah, I I mean, anyway. Um, yeah. So all of that to say that this is kind of his, this is kind of his last hurrah. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, other than that, like, and it is kind of a weird, like you pointed out, like there's a lot of cliffhangers. So it's like, I don't, did he know he was leaving even like, like, I wonder if he, if he did know that he was leaving, it was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put him in this situation and see how they get out of it because punt that ball down the field and see yeah yeah see what happens um right or did he kind of set them up with certain intentions that he could pass on to the team of here's here's how i imagine these situations could be sort of resolved or whatever um so yeah interesting uh not really pulling any punches kind of last episode to do, um, you know, an interesting way to go out. So, all right. Now that, again, now that we've prefaced for like 20 minutes, let's <laughs> talk about, uh, the actual story. So, um, kind of taking them by like character groups. Um, I want to do the angel and Connor stuff first. Um, so, for Connor coming after the the death of Holtz and him being sort of set up, you know, to not know what really happened and everything. Um, you know, interesting that he his initial reaction is not to go after Angel, you know, and that it's Justine that really kind of eggs him on a bit. Um, you know, I don't think I wrote down the exact dialogue but like she kind of suggests going after him and connor doesn't necessarily immediately you know it's not like he kind of you know gets straight up and marches off you know it seems like he's maybe i don't know more reluctant to come to that decision but justine's role is not just to be the one to kill Holtz and set up this situation, but also to kind of shepherd Connor, if not manipulate, at least encourage certain reactions, you know, like maybe she doesn't plant seeds that aren't there already, but she kind of waters and tends those seeds and makes sure that they bloom and, you know, actually like go places. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which kind of seems like that's part of her job as Holtz gave it to her, you know, is like, sure, not just, you know, to kill him, but to continue to like, you know, mentor Connor, I guess, in, in Holtz's absence and everything. Um, I don't know. Is that how you read it as well? Or, or? Did you have a different well interpretation on that? So there's an interesting if you if you watch so I I don't know if Justine is hard to read. And I don't know if that's 
because that's the way the character is supposed to be, or if that's because There's of the not actress. There's a lot of there, there. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, 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 there might not, not be a lot of depth to the performances. Maybe. I, I, yeah. I guess that's my question is like, is, is the actress playing the character perfectly or is the character just being sort of molded after the actor? Um, sure. Sure. I, don't, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't find Justine a hugely compelling character. So that could definitely be the case of like, she's not so much, enigmatic as like a little bit flat um yeah so so it's more based on what she you have to go you have to go based on what she says and does because there's not a lot of like nonverbal communication yeah you know that said i do think you get a a few little clues when connor is talking about utah right like so apparently uh Wait, is it Utah? Is that did I get the right or was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. the ranch. Um, yeah, right. Well, he's talking about like the ranch, and he's like, "Oh, I wonder if this is what the ranch would look like," and blah blah blah. And yeah. and you know, he talks about Holtz telling the story, but then like, I I remember exactly the phrasing, and I didn't write it down. Um, but Connor says something like, "You know, oh, just the two of us," and you get this like look from Justine, like, "Oh, like." Holt still wasn't planning on me. Like there's this, there's a sort of naivete to Justine that like she, she thought had things gone otherwise that it would be her and Holt's raising Steven together. Right. And mm-hmm. this, and like, but then you like get this sense that like actually for Holt's it, like it was never about being with Justine at all. Right. Like he, right. even if he told her that at one point, and that might have been originally the plan, or at least the plan that as he told it to her, mm-hmm. like there's this sense that like it, it was never a real thing to include Justine as part of it. So right. I, I, I guess my, I don't know that I can definitively say one way or the other, because I just don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think we're given enough information to sort of make it a, a specific determination, but I do sort of get the sense that like, she she might be a convenient person to sort of pass Connor on to, but like, had she not been there, Holtz would have figured something else out. <laughs> like, right. and right. and maybe had been planning on figuring something else out because even thinking back to like when we first see him, you know, as an old person come back from um, the Kortoff, you know, he's surprised that like only a few days have passed, basically. Mm-hmm. And so... Like, he probably wasn't even expecting to run into Justine again. But she's there, so eh, he'll make right. use of her. Like, right. she's right. she's there and she's dedicated to his cause, so... And hanging around and why not? wanting to yeah. get help and get involved, yeah. And it wouldn't um, be the first time a man took advantage of a woman who happens to be hanging around like that. You know what I mean? Like Right, right, <laughs> right. Looking to be sort of appreciated and useful and, yeah. And, um, and used. yes. Um, and so, so it's interesting then that she goes along with it. Like, like she doesn't, you know, even after you said she has that moment where she kind of realizes that she wasn't going to be included in this like family unit. Um, she doesn't just say like, 
well, screw you, Holt, I'm out of here. She continues with uh, the revenge plan with, with shepherding Connor along and, and assisting him with it. Um, even though she knows it's all a lie. Um, so like, even, even this whole thing of, well, she's okay with going after Angel because she's this vampire slayer, wannabe crusader against evil. She knows Angel didn't kill Holtz. So she's still dedicated to Holtz. It's not purely revenge against Angel that motivates her. It has to be some sort of loyalty to Holtz, even though she knows he wasn't ever really loyal to her. So, um, yeah, I don't know whether that's flat character writing or enigmatic. I, I, uh, you know, it's like maybe she is just so slavishly devoted that she doesn't care anymore, you know, why he did what he did or whether he ever reciprocated. Um, or she's so kind of stuck in her kind of, you know, crusader mode that she doesn't, she's lost sight of the, of the good and evil of it, you know? And I wonder how much of it is just a transference of her loyalty from Holtz to Stephen. Sure. Like, like maybe it's not even that like she has a plan of her own, but it's like, cause she sort of pretty easily folds to, to Connor's plan of, not killing angel like she's kind of surprised at first but she doesn't Mm -hmm. really question it you know Mm -hmm. to any great extent and yeah like helps him like goes along with him Mm -hmm. and like beyond that just sort of oh you're not going to kill him like that's just kind of it and so i yeah i kind of wonder it's like you know connor's clearly the sort you know he's he's the heir apparent and then or or heir or whatever you want to call it of Holtz's legacy so to speak right and and so she just kind of like okay well he's the new Holtz so I guess I'll do Mm -hmm. what he says now like yeah I don't I don't know that I I don't have a real and I think that's kind of like I mean it's so easy to sort of like again maybe pick pick on the actor or or Mm -hmm. you know say like the character shallow or whatever but also like there's a sense in which that's why holt picked her in the first place right because mm-hmm. she was sort of senseless and um it was her sister right who was killed by a vampire and like not having a purpose holt sort of gave her one but it was never her purpose it was always holt's so sure. so we're, there is a sense where like yeah he 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 preyed on that set, you know, lack of purposefulness mm-hmm. um, that she already had. And, and I mean, if we fault her for anything, it's, it's just for acknowledging that she never really had her own purpose to begin with. And, mm-hmm. and Holtz just used that about her. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not like she had something that she gave up. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's really cruel to say about her. Like, I kind of feel bad even like saying it in that way, but not too bad because like she, I, she's not that compelling of a character. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Um, it's not 
great if like your most defining feature is like lack of kind of motivation, you know, like lack of independent thought or like, you know, like I feel like maybe that's just not that kind of handicaps her before you even start like a character who is just waiting to be led by somebody else, you know, by mm -hmm. some, by stronger people or manipulated by people. Um, right. just makes her not have a lot of agency kind of on her own. And you don't ever really get to know other than vengeance for her sister. You don't re really ever get to know like what she wants. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe the, her flaw as a person and her kind of flaw as a character is sort of the same thing. Like she never really had a lot of purpose herself. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, she, uh, you know, rides off into the moonlit ocean with Connor. So assuming we'll see Connor again, I have to presume that we will see Justine again. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll see whether her loyalty to Connor stays or Steven, um, you know, holds now that they've sort of done the deed. Um, yeah. so, all right. Talking about Connor slash Steven a little bit more specifically. Um, yeah, he does decide he's not going to kill Angel, you know, and, uh, kind of wink, wink as to what that ends up meaning um so he comes back well first they kind of do their whole ritual burial thing and you know um you know they talk about england and you know make sure to you know behead and stake and burn holtz you know to like make sure that he's really gone right um which was totally unnecessary but connor doesn't know that um and uh, you know, better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. Um. So I, I mean, like he kind of just ends up mutilating his corpse for no reason, um, which is kind of like ironic, actually, if you think about it. But um, <laughs> you know, considering that he's trying to like save his soul and everything, and make sure he doesn't turn into a monster. Um. But anyway, so he goes back. So he has a this. He's not just gonna get hot headed revenge. He has a longer you know, plan in mind and goes back and pretends to uh, not know that anything is wrong. So they know that he knows about Holtz because Fred and Gunn say that he overheard. And so they kind of figure that out. But Connor just sort of um, plays along with the notion that Holtz left and he left his note and that's everything is sort of fine. Um, and then you know, sneakily tries to uh, learn some tricks off of Angel, like how to fight like a real vampire and kind of use his his extra senses and his ninja balance and like, you know, upping his fighting skills um, in a way that's useful. Um, you know, meanwhile, acting, you know, kind of, affectionate and playful and like he's growing to you know love angel as a father and all these kind of things so um yeah showing some kind of a more uh 
less and less of the impulsive wild child from you know the other dimension and maybe showing a bit more cunning than kind of we've seen so far like having a bit of a long game and you know mm -hmm. uh manipulating angel and everything um and angel just eats it right up because that's everything that he right wants he's he's connor is feeding him exactly what you know he is hungry for and there's no suspicion that there could be any ulterior motive to this sure yeah i don't um, i don't know that i have anything really to add to any of that just kind of yeah i mean and i i guess too there's uh lauren's line which ends up being sort of ironic and you know kind of a bit of foreshadowing but the you know your whole life is coming together sometimes things do work out so you know that kind of seducing angel too you know the fact that things he's gone through so much and they've been separated and everything's been so unfair and so him becoming kind of um distracted and seduced by the happiness and that, you know, Connor is turning out kind of exactly how he wants and acting in all the ways that he wants. Um, you know, mm -hmm. that being kind of the thing that, that tricks Angel. Um, all right. So they, they practice their fighting with Fred and Gunn with, kind of pillows as armor fred making the cutest little vampire there ever was um sure and uh and then they go to their movie so doing their kind of like you know bonding thing and everything and um and get attacked by some wolferman heart guys um which yeah. you know i don't know that there's a huge amount to analyze there. I mean, there's a couple significant moments. Um, you know, it it's it furthers Connor's deception of affirming his name and and his protection of Angel. So it kind of ends up helping the whole, you know, smokescreen that he's creating that he can be seen sure. to defend his father and affirm who he really is and everything. Yeah. Um, and of course, Connor has no idea who Wolferman Hart is. Right. Like, sure. And, you know, so you have like, um, uh, uh, sorry, Linwood, uh, you know, at the end there sort of talking, like saying to him, like, you know, we're not your enemy, Stephen, like even using his like mm -hmm. chosen name or whatever. Um, which you would think would make Connor pr pretty suspicious in and of itself, right? Like, mm -hmm. who are these people and why are they calling me by my name and what's going on here? Um, but yeah, like, you're right. Like, it's sort of an opportunity to side with Angel. Like, there's no collusion here between the Wolferman Hart people and Connor or anything. Right. Right. Although there could be for the future, you know, this is them announcing themselves right. and reaching out to him. And so, you know, I could see him 
you know, kind of affirming his place with Angel in the moment as it suits him and yet kind of keeping, you know, Linwood's offer in the back of his mind of like, well, if they're enemies of Angel, they must be on the right side, you know? Um, and so whether he goes looking for them or whether they find him, I could see him being vulnerable to kind of further manipulation by the Wolfram and Hart team um, who can kind of paint themselves as the good guys against Angel. Um, so we'll have to see where that goes. But um, Linwood and Gavin continuing to be slightly on the more inept side of things of like their their ambush doesn't quite go as expected and Linwood really just wants payback for the way he was treated but you know he's still kind of the loser at the end of this um he doesn't really get any satisfaction for what Angel did and everything um so yeah um So, all right, I'm going to skip over Angel and Corey because we're going to talk about that in a minute. But after he gets the phone call, Angel ditches his evening with his son to go running off to Cordy. Um, and, you know, Connor, of course, you know, listens to the phone call um, and, you know, here's the location that they're going to meet and everything. Um, and puts his plan into action and, uh, yeah, kind of uses his new, I mean, he was always a pretty good fighter from what we could see, but now he's, you know, superior to Angel, or at least enough to win in this particular instance. Um, and Justine comes in with, you know, with the boat and yeah, they stick Angel in a box and dump him in the ocean. So that's not great. They seem to take their sweet old time doing it. Too. <laughs> yeah, like, and they make like extra sure. It's like there's like cables and there's rivets and there's welding and there's, you know, everything like every layer we can possibly think of, um, you know, and the the slow non-death, you know, is the thing of like Angel without breath. He's not actually going to die. Mm -hmm. It'll just sort of exist down there forever. Um, which I knew that, but it that was a kind of slowly dawning thing of like, oh yeah, it kind of like occurs to me as I'm watching it of like, you know. And then you get the shot of him just sort of kind of staring at, looking at stuff. Like, it's not like he's even suffocating or drowning. He's just sort of existing and stuck. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, a disturbing move for Connor, which is, I guess, again, less of the impulsive um, child who just wants revenge or payback for what someone did, but a more calculated kind of, you know, uh, it's thought out, it's planned, it's cold-blooded, it's he's going to make him suffer for all eternity. Um, so that's a pretty dark side, as Lauren kind of warns. Um, 
Which is interesting considering the like soul colonic he had in the last episode. Like, wasn't that sure. kind of one of the things that Cordy's magic was supposed to do was like purge a lot of that toxic stuff out of him. So again, you kind of have to wonder like how much of this is the influence of the way he was raised or the hell dimension or whatever. And how much of it is just what Connor is capable of as a, as a perfectly natural human being, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, so yeah, the, when like in, this... a, in a way, I think that even makes it worse, you know, cause you can't really blame it on, the the evil of the hell dimension right you know you have to kind of realize like this is a clear-headed you know connor who's doing this i guess yeah so keeping in mind though that like he has the colonic but like then he goes back and finds holtz who he believes died because he was bit by angel so like yeah no it's not like he doesn't have motivation so I, I, for sure yeah I just I think there's like the colonic like maybe cleans him out or whatever but like that doesn't necessarily mean that like he can't uh you know be re sort of I don't have more whatever toxin in him or whatever or that there aren't like other reasons. Mm -hmm. why he he might be angry or whatever i don't know i guess i just no and and it's not so much that he i mean obviously he he has every reason to think angel did this so like i don't think it's that there's a problem with him being angry or even wanting justice i guess it's the the kind of uh relishing in the kind of cold-blooded torture of it that like, you know, is more than just deciding he's going to stake Angel to get revenge for Holtz. It's this kind of more calculated thing, which I think we associate more with like people like Angelus who like like to see people suffer and that kind of thing. And I think the fact that you can't simply blame it on like demonic influence but you but you have to kind of realize the you know the things that connor is capable of when made angry you know which kind of makes it more chilling in a way um sure but definitely it's not that like he's just like murdering people with no motivation like he's given a lot of motivation to do this like Holt sets yeah. it up so that that's the only conclusion he can possibly come to is that, right. you know, that Angel, not just that Angel killed, you know, his father, but like then pretends to be nice, that like he's that evil and duplicitous and he's tricking him and, you know, seducing him into this, this, you know, father-son relationship and everything. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like, Angel did something that made him mad. It's like Angel, he thinks Angel is capable of, you know, uh, all this like really careful planning and deceit and everything. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and so it's, <laughs> I have no predictions about how Angel gets out of this, really. Um, somebody's gonna have to fish him out, but I don't know who that is or how that will come about. Um, mm. I mean, how, how deep is he? How far out? to see did they go um i have no idea it's a pickle it's a pickle um <laughs> all right <laughs> with some whiskey so yes speaking of odd shots that the kids do nowadays um all right so i like the symmetry of the end now that you're laughing at whiskey and pickle juice. Um, I like the symmetry of Angel's descent while Cordy ascends. You know, that's yeah. a nice kind of visual uh, to end the season on. Um, yeah. And, and even, even the kind of fire and water of it, of like Cordy's mm -hmm. kind of fiery white light and Angel in that cold, watery depths and everything. Yeah. Um, there's just nice, you know, reflections and compliments to that. Yep. So there is, um, there are some, uh, special, uh, whatever special features or whatever on the DVDs. And there is one where they talk specifically about that, mm -hmm. those sort of ending shots and the symmetry and stuff. We can talk about that mm -hmm. a little more when we talk about sort of the you know, season three recap stuff, but, um, okay. yeah, no, that's, I, I do really like how they sort of do that. Um, and so, yeah, so you, you're getting the, so, you know, we talked about the rapture aspect of it. Right. And so like, obviously that's the BSG title. Um, and you have Cordy in sort of a rapture here, but, but here mm -hmm. it's much more Right. There needs to be balance, right? Like, so, uh, mm. you know, you've got the balance here is if one person's going up, the other's got to be going down. And, um, yeah. you know, so there's there's that aspect of it, too. Um, the episode is titled Tomorrow as well. Mm, so, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know if you had any thoughts about the title or not um i know we don't always and i feel like even with buffy as we get like further along the seasons we we have sort of less and less to say like the titles mm -hmm. seem to be less sort of metaphorical mm -hmm. um yeah only... i did kind of think about it i don't know that i landed on anything that i really like the the only the only instance of the word um at least as far as I can remember, um, and doing a quick search here in the transcript. Um, and that's the kind of thing I should have looked at beforehand. The, the, the only, the only instance of the word is Lorne saying it. He, um, mm. you know, he says, uh, he's leaving on a midnight train to Georgia. Actually it's a nine, nine eighteen flight to Vegas tomorrow, but where's the poetry in that? Um, and I don't, I don't know that that like really fits in with like, 
enough to be like, oh, that's the theme of the episode. A significant <laughs> word. Um, other other than the theme of leaving. Leaving, right. And the characters leaving. Where'd everybody go? Yeah. And so, right, you have, um, you know, Fred and, and Gunn at the end. I almost said Fred and George. Fred and Gunn at the end. <laughs> uh, wrong, wrong FMG. Uh, you know, you have Fred and Gunn at the end, um, who are, you know, sort of wondering where everyone is, but yeah, like, so you have that leaving aspect, but like, but that seems like a stretch for like the word mm. tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess like the kind of uncertainty of it, you know, of like the future, like what will, sure. so maybe that you can kind of make plans for tomorrow but you never really know what's going to happen um you can make your plans but things happen that you don't anticipate and you know um angel and cordy both head to this spot on the beach thinking they're gonna get to say and do certain things and then uh fate sort of intervenes in both of their cases you know and you know sends them off in opposite directions of each other um which you know I kind of thought like is there assuming Angel gets out of this and doesn't spend eternity sitting on the bottom of the ocean um is there kind of like I don't know if I want to call it you catastrophe really but a kind of like happy intervention because there is this suggestion from Fred of the reminder to not get too happy right like perfect contentment is a dangerous thing Mm. in the angel universe and uh he's awfully close you know like Lauren says things are all coming together you know like Connor's back they seem to have a good relationship you know, he and Cordy might, you know, reach a new level of honesty about their feelings. There might be a family unit in the making. Like all these things are kind of in a, in a pretty content and happy place. Um, and that is like, you know, for Angel, uh, a very dangerous thing. And so what happens before they can declare their feelings and, you know, reach the full contentment or bliss or consummate anything. Um, you get these interventions, you know, that send them to opposite ends that like keep them as far away from each other as possible, you know? Um, so I don't know quite how far to go with that, but that seems like, you know, a not insignificant point. Um, you know, that he gets about as close as he can get to true happiness. And then, uh, you know, things go horribly awry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And right. I mean, we haven't explored Angel as Angelus yet in the show. Right. Like right in Angel in in the show Angel. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We haven't seen that since season two, so maybe there's some room to explore that at some point, you know? Um, I'm not saying whether they do or don't. I'm just saying, like, like that's a... 
Yeah, that's the thing. And maybe, right, so. Right, they I, said they've actually been pretty restrained with that, with that aspect of it. So, yeah, there's definitely room I, you to know, bring that back in. I don't want to give anything away, obviously. But, like, you could certainly speculate as to, like, like what if, what if this is a move by the higher powers, not just to sort of reward Cordy for the good job that she's doing, which is kind of what Skip says to her, right? Mm -hmm. But what if this is also like, yeah, a move to prevent a bad thing from happening? Right. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of my feeling was like, yeah, I mean, whether it's the, the Cordy development specifically or even kind of indirectly both points like yeah and it doesn't Connor unwittingly intervenes from that moment you know and sure. so who knows what would have happened we don't know if they had got together what would have happened but there is a kind of well and there's that miraculous deflection of that you know because yeah. because more so than in Buffy we do get that sense that there's a bigger fight being fought in yep. Angel. Um, and so, so there's also that question of like how much of the stuff Holtz did and how much of what Connor's doing is in service of the good. Right. Like, like, yeah. and not just like they think they're doing good and they're really kind of mistaken because they're fighting against Angel and trying to kill Angel. But what if like keeping Angel from becoming Angelus again is actually kind of their purpose, even mm -hmm. if they don't know it or something like, so right. they, like there's almost yeah. like a sort of twisted way you could look at it and say like, Oh, this could actually be. Yeah. And it wouldn't be, and, and which would be then really somewhat i you know even more i put put an even greater sort of irony to what like wesley does mm. you know as far as like his sort of sneaking around and everyone thinking what he did was ultimately evil when in fact it led to right. possibly stopping angel from becoming happy with cordy and right. then becoming right. angelus blah 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 yep well, and that's why I kind of want to use the word eucatastrophe because it has that kind of Tolkien aspect of like even the evil people who do things for evil reasons become part of the larger plan which bends toward the good without them meaning to and the, the hand that betrays often betrays itself, you know, and they undermine their own evil without realizing it. Sure. That's what it feels like, you know, so not to, and not that that kind of exonerates anybody, but it may be a kind of happy development in the long run. Um, not happy for Angel in the short term, but like, <laughs> yeah, further down the line, it may be that, oh, this was a key moment that a disaster was averted. Um so yeah, I mean, which also kind of brings up interesting questions with Cordy. Like, I, you know, I assume she's not just a pawn of the powers that be, that like she actually does have this new gift and they are impressed with her, as they say, and wanting to sort of ascend her to this higher plane 
But also, again, to what extent is this in service of a larger plan? You know, is is taking her up not just a reward for her power and goodness, but also maybe also kind of removing her from a situation that was starting to develop in ways that might have been mm. um, a little bit dangerous. Because, like, she's definitely been all the things they said. Like, she's been brave she's been self-sacrificial she's been willing to take on these new powers and use them and that's all true but like I don't necessarily feel like we've seen her do anything that quite I don't know justifies this kind of mystical you know ascension necessarily like that kind of it comes out of left field at least for me it does um like, it seems very sudden that, like, oh, she's really only had this extra demon power for, like, what, a couple days? Weeks, maybe? And it's, like, really? Like, mm. she's being made a goddess? Like, okay, like, that seems a bit fast, but, you know, um, I don't know. It just makes me kind of wonder about all the motivations and the reasonings behind that and everything sure um i i don't think it's a bad thing to think about so um so the other thing that um i kind of thought about while watching it i i don't think i'm normally too slow on the uptake but i did not realize until the second time i watched it that her conversation with herself was like a vision like when I, oh. I don't think you're supposed to like that totally I totally bought it gotcha. like I kind of I totally swallowed it the first time as like this is a weird quirk of Cordy demon powers that she can kind of project this this external version and have a conversation with herself and watched the whole episode, didn't think twice about it, and then watched it again and realized, oh, this is dialogue from later in the episode that is... Right. So it's a vision that she doesn't realize she's having, which is an interesting twist on the vision. You know, like, we've never had a vision like that before. Like, it's always been she has a vision and she knows what it is. This is like a vision that tricks her into thinking it's something else. Like, she doesn't realize that this is well her own self in the future saying these words and and they're misleading <laughs> you know well it's misleading i mean she doesn't she doesn't always know exactly like she she knows what's going on but she doesn't always know like exactly what's going on like she doesn't always know the situation no. around no but she always recognizes a vision for what it is. Sure. And I don't think she does here. And because there's lines that do the double duty. You know, it's sure. things like like oh, I've always known and it feels right and I know it's going to be all okay. And the first time when she hears that, she thinks and I thought this is about the relationship. It's not until you get to the ending that you realize yeah. she's not talking about that at all. She's talking about the the ascension, her her you know, and if the visions and are from the higher powers, then it's them sending right. her those visions to get her to do what they want her to do, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, right, 
And so, so that's it's the question is like how much <laughs> and 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 so here's the other question. I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm not going to say yay or nay or or mm-hmm. give you any more thoughts or whatever, but has she ever had a vision that was of someone not in danger? And if so, what's the is there an implication there? Mm. Um I can't think of one. So I don't know for sure without going back through. If you know the answer, you can I mean I I'm I don't I can't think of I one. I can't I can't think of one either, unless there's something really obvious that I'm like forgetting. Like that's the whole point of her visions is to rescue right. people who are in danger. In right. which case Sure. What what is it who's right. in danger here? Like right. what what's so, the what's yes. the vision telling us? Right. So there's two potentials. It could be both. If we take the vision at face value and the powers that be at face value, it could be like we said that it's Angel that's in danger and it's her ascension which is preventing their coming together. And so it's the right. fulfillment of that. The other thing is she's in danger and this is a trap of some kind and who the heck knows is, what she beamed up into in the sky. Is, you know? Right. Is this the right decision? Like, right. like maybe it actually is a test and she failed it. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, right. And again, sure. I'm not, I'm not trying to like lead you down a path. I don't. Yeah. I, right. I don't. I think there's a lot of different things there that you could. Yeah you know, consider one way or the other, but right. Right. It, and it's all like, just because she's never had a vision where it wasn't someone in danger, that doesn't mean this couldn't be a new thing. Like she has new powers now. So, you know, mm-hmm. maybe she's always been able to have visions like, cause, um, although it was still a vision of someone in danger, like we did learn was it just last week? Whenever it was that um, Angel and Connor went and like saved Justine from the vampires, right? Like mm-hmm. she went back into her vision. Like she she's right. having more control now and sort of having, right. you know, able to like go back and see and like maybe, you know, experience the vision yeah. more than she had before. So like it's it's not like like her abilities do seem to be growing and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. which is why I think it's a nice trick to kind of present a vision without flagging it as a vision. Cause it tricks both Cordy and the viewer into not realizing what's going on. I think like, I think like Cordy, I assume this is a weird new power that she has like, Oh, she can actually like have a conversation with herself and, have a dialogue with herself about her inner thoughts and feelings like that's a weird new thing that she can do and again it's not until later that you even realize like well crap that was a vision and totally didn't even pick up on that um so it's a it's a clever kind of uh you know way of using the fact that if 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 she still had it where she had like a blinding headache. There's no mistaking that for what it is, you know? But the fact that she can control it and it's not painful 
and she has all these new powers, she doesn't even know what powers she has or quite what she can do. And so it's easily, whether it's the powers that be or something more sinister, it's easily kind of, you know, manipulated, I think. Yeah. Um, And she's a bit easily manipulated through it. I mean, even, I don't necessarily want to go so far as to say that she's actually not in love with Angel or anything, but even the fact that, like, she goes to declare her love after being told by herself these things, which turn out to be words that are completely out of context, you know? Like, again, she's not really even talking about Angel at all in that moment. She's talking about, this feels so right, it's all going to be okay. Like, she's talking about that that ascension. Then she hears that in the past and goes, well, I should listen to me, by golly, I must be in love with Angel. Like, like that just seems like it's leading her to things Mm -hmm. that she hadn't quite arrived at on her own yet, you know? And not that she wouldn't have got there eventually, but it's hard to say. Um, Like, does she kind of go running off to Angel because she has this vision of herself doing that? And to what extent is that her own idea, I guess? Um, Sure. It's a slightly chicken or egg scenario, you know, where like, where's the original thought here? I can't quite pinpoint it. Um, so anyway, um, so yeah, now that I think about it, she's ascending as angels descending and yet maybe it's not necessarily all going to be heavenly goodness for Cordy, you know, and, and I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying maybe. Yeah. I'll put it this way. Um, we'll see Charisma Carpenter again on the show. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, I would hope and think so. Yeah. Um, okay. We don't, ha- I mean, we talked a lot about Cordy and Angel, so maybe there's not too much to say about Lauren and Gru other than that, like you said, like Dee and Sam, they have this clarity of vision as, as outsiders. So to speak. Yeah. So to speak. Um, yeah. And grew kind of finally, uh, you know, steals himself to have the talk and, uh, and, and leaves. So, and so does Lauren. Should we talk about Lauren here too? Because. Sure. See, like, the show's called Angel. It's about Angel. He's down in the ocean, but we're going to see him again. Cordy's that important. I'm sure we're going to see her again. I don't know whether we'll see Gru again. I'm not terribly concerned either way. <laughs> Lauren. Do you, do you want me to, do you want me to answer Lauren that or no? Of, you can answer that. Sure. We do not see Gru again. This is Gru's okay. last episode. Okay. I kind of felt like that might be the case. Yeah. Lauren might actually be gone and I would be upset about that. Okay. Well, like, well, I that, won't, that would, I won't that would tell you hurt. one way or the other then. Ah, uh, see, no, I, I, I kind of like him the best. So I, um, 
Now I don't like this whole leaving for Vegas thing. It's not, it's not good. Um, yeah, just gonna put that out there. I guess we'll see. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, hey, he was kind of right about Connor being dangerous and but now he's gone too. But so he was all the also people who know what's going on are leaving. He, so he was also misleading in saying, you know, sometimes things work out. <laughs> and not misleading, not like intentionally or anything, but like right. Yes, that might be true, but this was not one of those times. <laughs> right. Although, yet again, um, we have someone setting Angel on a path that may lead to maybe good outcomes even if they go through so like if if we go with the idea that angel being separated from cordy is a kind of necessary thing to save you know his soul then lauren is just another piece of that puzzle you mm. know of like telling him what he needs to hear in order to go after cordy and everything um so that he can get caught by Connor and you know sure. drowned and everything so yeah and it's not the first time that Lauren has said things that he didn't quite understand right you know um or his words had more meaning than he necessarily intended or you know um or he's had faulty readings or faulty advice you know um he's a I think he's honest, but he's a, you know, slightly unreliable narrator that way. Like, just from the fact that he's fallible, you know, and his his readings aren't always necessarily 100% accurate and everything. But, uh, yeah, so I'm hoping that... I feel like I'm pretty sure we'll see Lauren again. The question is, I want him here. Like I don't want him in Vegas. I want him in the sure, in the cast is the problem. So that's the part that I am worried about. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, all right, we're a little bit over, so we'll try to go quickly. Lila and Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if any of the shots Wesley was doing were pickle whiskey shots. <laughs> Probably. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's more of a a recent development. I'm I don't know. Who knows? What do I know? Um Yeah, Wesley very I mean, nihilistic, I guess. Like he's been for a while, but like even getting I mean, to the point where it even bothers Lila. Where like even her, you know, kind of forced tough bad girl thing of like oh I'm not one of your doe-eyed you know girls don't think of me when I'm gone like like even that is kind of like a front and what he says like about like I wasn't even thinking about what you while you were here like even that kind of gets her you know like <laughs> sure so yeah he's getting pretty Pretty dark and pretty cold. Um, 
and in bed with the enemy now, literally. Um, if he wasn't before, he is now. So, yeah, a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy, I guess. Yeah. Um, you treat someone like a traitor long enough, eventually they might just start to conform to that idea. I mean, I told you up front, Wesley's one of the most interesting character arcs of the uh, whole show, of both shows, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'll... Uh, yeah, and, I guess, I, and and we're not over yet, right? Like this no. is the end of well, season it's, three. <laughs> it, it's interesting. I would have, I I think I would have thought that there would have been, if not perfect resolution, at least maybe a little bit more resolution of that story. So it's interesting that that continues. Like that's not at all resolved. Like he's given up. Right. It's one of the cliffs from which we are left hanging everybody's given up trying to reconcile that relationship. Nobody's even trying anymore. Like he's not explaining anything. They're not trying to get him back into the fold. They're not even trying to kill him. It's just, they're just not, they're sure. done, you know? And that's kind of not necessarily where I would have, I guess I would have predicted either a reconciliation or more of a confrontation of some kind. So that's still to come, I guess. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, the other thing to consider is that we're left with Fred and Gunn looking for someone, anyone who they can turn sure. to for help. So right. Right. Does, does that are, does that present yeah. an opportunity? And and Fred has already expressed a desire yes. to to go back and right. you know, ask Wesley it, for help. Yeah, the only person who's still has that sure although yeah. even that's been a while right like that has, yeah. that's been a couple episodes since she's yeah. mentioned that so right you know and again i'm not trying to lead you in one direction or anything but just saying like if there's an opportunity to do that like when everyone else is gone might be <laughs> the one time where they might look to yeah you know someone who might be able to help yeah because let's face it fred smart but she's mm -hmm. not, you know, a leader per se. Mm -hmm. And Gunn is strong, but again, like not really like leader material, right? Mm -hmm. So they can't find Angel. And it seems like a good shot in the dark that they might not be able to find him for a while. <laughs> um, you know. Unless they're really good guessers, yeah. If, and Lauren's gone. Who isn't really a leader either, but like could at least like read their destinies or whatever if if he were mm -hmm. around. Like right. yeah, there might be some question as to what they ought to do next. Right, right. Maybe there's some advice they might seek. Yes. From somewhere. Will he give it to them? Well, is, that's a different is, question. Is that's, a different question, yeah. And I'm not um, even saying they go to him. I'm just saying that's one sure. possibility of which the story might go down a little. Mm -hmm. Something like that. It's late. It is. Um, and we're a little over our time, so I think we'll kind of let it go there. Yeah. 
right. Um, yeah, I mean, we kind of handled Fred and Gun there too. So like, yes, they're also cliffhanging. Um, lots of cliffs, lots of hanging to be done, mm-hmm. and uh, we're gonna have to leave it there for. A while. I mean, we'll come back and talk about season three next week, um, along with some more BSG, um, and then we've got like a month and a half of Buffy episodes and, <laughs> and season recaps and whatnot yeah. um, to, to handle. So it'll be a little while before we can either let go or climb up off of these cliffs. And uh, yeah, you'll, uh, you'll have to wait and see what happens, I guess. I already know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Hooray for you. <laughs> Ouch! On that note, cat <laughs> cat must be getting tired. She's uh, the claw, claws are coming out. <laughs> um, no, but we'll we'll be back with uh, yeah our season three recap of Angel and some more BSG next week. All right, see you then. Mm-hmm.